Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. First Sunday of Advent, new liturgical year, the church is trying to help us find our place in the story of God. And in order to do that, we look back and we look forward almost simultaneously. We look back and remember and meditate on the fact that God has already invaded this world. He's already come into it in Jesus, and he's already beat and defeated Satan and given us power over sin and shown us a way to life that is the most meaningful and then shown us the path that leads to the fullness of life in the kingdom to come. And he stays with us through his bride, through his body, the church, in her teachings, in her way of life, in the scriptures, in the sacraments, and in the Holy Spirit, in those who continue to say yes deep in our hearts. We also look forward to when Jesus will come again in glory, And all has reached its climax. Everything is done at that point. Jesus will come in glory and all the beauty and fullness of God will be manifest. And every desire of our hearts we will be invited to enter into fulfillment. And so that's where we find our place. Biblical scholars call Christians in the world already, but not yet. Already we're tasting, but we're not fully there. Or you could say we live in a world of appetizers and the banquet's coming, okay? So, what are we meant to do in the meantime? Well, as we're waiting for glory and we know the good news, what are we meant to do in our daily lives in the meantime? Well, put simply, we're meant to live an ordinary Christian life. Now, when I first heard that phrase, the word ordinary made made it sounding incredibly terrible to me. I don't like ordinary. I want every moment and every day to be extraordinary. All right? If you haven't figured that out about me yet, I like a little panache in life, okay? Just the way I am. What are you going to do? But if everything is extraordinary, nothing is extraordinary. Only because certain things are ordinary can something stand out as extraordinary. So what we're called to do is live the ordinary Christian life. But it can sound like there's no power to that. No mystery, no magic, no miracles, no gospel, no Jesus. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. I want to tell you a brief version, which is going to be an injustice, but a brief version of the story of St. Augustine. Now, in hindsight, at this point in our lives, we look at St. Augustine as probably the most influential figure of the church, perhaps ever. St. Thomas Aquinas, who might be the most brilliant, outside of Scripture, quotes St. Augustine the most. So he had a huge influence on him. Up until the recent intense secularization at campuses across the country, almost every undergrad had to read St. Augustine's Confessions or some portion of his writing because it formed so much of the Western world, our notions of God, freedom, justice, evil, human happiness. He, he shaped so much of what we understand to be reality. 
So this one man had an amazing impact on the trajectory of humanity. And he lived in the fourth century. So amazing that that long ago could be still that influential. But we might not know is, how did God get him? Was he born practicing and loving Jesus from day one like a St. Teresa Lisieux? Absolutely not. In fact, St. Augustine was born into a family right, whose dad didn't have any faith and whose mom was in love with her Catholic faith. And growing up, he just didn't seem anything exciting about it. In fact, what was really interesting about Augustine was he had a brilliant mind and he was very much in touch with the human heart's longing for more. More beauty, more life, more meaning, more joy, more love. And he began his search to much of his mom's sadness. We would use the phrase nowadays, but he was into a lot of new age things. New Age philosophies, New Age spiritualities, back then called Manichaeism. And he was deep in it, becoming one of the highly regarded ones. He was also well-trained in public speaking and philosophy, admired by most for those who, people he knew and his intellect. And every town he went, every place he would travel to, his mom would hunt him down. And through tears and prayers, beg him to come to the Lord. Beg him to come to the church. And he just, he never said this, but you got the sense she was kind of annoying. But eventually she found this very holy bishop, St. Ambrose, and introduced Augustine to Ambrose. And for Augustine, it was the first time he saw someone who had a faith that also used their intellect. It was the first time he saw someone who practiced the faith who could actually make sense of Scripture and life in a way that resonated with him, even though he thought, I don't think this is right, but here's a very holy and brilliant man. From there, he continued to journey on more and more passions, fathering a child out of wedlock and other things like this. His friends, one by one, begin to convert to Christianity. So he starts reading the Bible, and he finds in the scriptures at first, he finds them very distasteful. He's reading the most brilliant philosophies, and he hears Jesus telling stories. He thinks, this is very dumb. This is for children. He's uninspired by it. And then another friend's converting. And in his own autobiography called The Confessions, there's a moment where one of his closest friends converts and is telling Augustine of this deep peace he's found. And all of this joy and how he's loving to pray every day and live a life of service and meditating on the most brilliant things. And Augustine says, I could see heaven and all the virtues of heaven calling me, saying, come Augustine. And yet I felt so many chains on my flesh pulling me in the other direction. And you can feel the agony he's in. And his friend is telling him, and I have so much peace and joy. And he runs away from his friend into a garden and is crying. And while he's crying, he hears a little voice from a child, he says, say, tole lege. Now, if a child speaks to us in Latin, we don't know what's happening. But he knew what it meant. It meant take and read. And he picked up the Bible 
and he read the second reading we heard today. Throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on Jesus and make no provisions for the flesh. Now there's nothing magical about this one passage, but God used it to bring like a cup of water to Augustine's thirsting heart. And he converts and becomes a priest and a bishop and changes the whole world. The ordinary Christian life, daily prayer, friends, sacraments, it seems so routine, yet it was the way over time that broke into Augustine's life and transformed him from a life of New Age false lies and teachings to the truth, from enslavement and insecurity to peace and confidence. And the one thing that Augustine had that maybe you and I in the modern world don't is he was in touch with the longings of his heart. This week, knowing I was going to preach about this, I was thinking about being a Christian in the 21st century. And the difference between Augustine and I is our culture is completely against us feeling our humanity. Our culture has a vested interest in keeping you and me anesthetized or numb. Here's what I mean. Binge-watching Netflix. It's not uncommon. It's very common. Five, six, ten, twelve hours a day in front of a screen watching a show that when you're done, you don't have any more brilliant or insightful thoughts. You're not moved to want to make a gift to yourself and those in need. You don't feel more confident and aware of your sacredness. You don't realize the gift and beauty of being alive. You're just numb. If you go into any city or any college campus or most high schoolers, all day long they have beats on their ears and AirPods in their ears. Now this isn't like a 90-year-old guy bemoaning the youth. I'm 39. I have AirPods. I like podcasts. I listen to music. But all day long, having ambient noise of people's voices and ideas nonstop, what's it do? Why are, they, why are we being told this? So you don't feel Augustine's longing in you for something more, something deeper. In a few weeks at Christmas, we're going to sing Silent Night, Holy Night. Most of us don't experience the holy night because we haven't experienced a silent night. Now, my mom lives alone. She's 76. And I have these discussions with her. She's like, well, I live alone and I just like a little noise in the background. I'm like, that's different than when you're turning TV on to veg and to numb. Or when you have things on simply because you're afraid of the silence, of what might come up or what you might have to deal with. We have four weeks to prepare for the life-changing event of Jesus Christ and for us to be the salt and light of the world. Might I suggest the ordinary Christian life for the next few weeks? We don't need to climb a mountain like some weird movie and find a weird flower and bring it back and be then a part of some weird ritual. Scripture. If you don't pray at all, try five minutes a day. If you're already praying a little bit, try ten silent, meditating, just read the Gospels for this time. If it's been a while, we have confessions on Monday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. God is eager to free you from the pain, confusion, and mud that sin puts on the diamond of your life. If you go to Mass every Sunday, can you go once during the week? If you don't come every Sunday, just a gentle reminder that that is a non-negotiable in our relationship to Jesus. 
because he wants to fill you with his power, life, and love. And I know we're tired, and I know bringing kids here is actually a miracle every Sunday, and I thank you, but it's worth it. Because it's the ordinary way that God breaks in and changes our lives so we can be the next St. Augustine's in the world, and in four weeks, we can celebrate something extraordinary.